Nice, nice. Oh, welcome, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Tipping Points podcast, brought to you by the People's Empowerment Project and funded by Democracy Coffee. I am uh, John House Wilson, your host, and today is March 27th, 2020. Now, due to a global pandemic, uh, we are recording remotely for the first time, and I'm actually here in my living room in Kingston, New York. It's pretty comfortable, but I'm kind of feeling a little isolated. Um, but here with me uh, through the wonders of technology is uh, Matt Edge. The, uh, he's an attorney, an activist, surfer, and the executive director of the People's Empowerment Project. Matt, are you there? Yep. Can you hear me, guys? Yeah, I can hear you. How's it going? Hey, quarantine. <laughs> uh, you know, it's okay. It's okay. I mean, you know, <laughs> things are things things are going going to hell in a handbasket. But I'm yeah, I'm I'm reasonably good. I feel safe uh, doing my you know quarantine here and staying more than six feet away from people and washing my shoes that's one of, that's one of the things i'm telling people to do wash your shoes because you're walking around where people's spit and saliva and even like these microscopic droplets that that can land on the ground um they found in italy where people were where the, where they were washing all the streets there was a lower likelihood that this virus spread oh and all right so I'm, asking, I'm asking people to be you know keep their shoes off out of their house you know and just be careful when you're taking your shoes off where are you walking are you w- walking there with your socks and is it on your socks oh my god wow okay so this is something i've never thought about yet every day it seems like there's a new twist on this thing about what i gotta worry about you know well, we gotta get smart we really get, like like we really 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 got it smart getting it smart they're saying 40 percent of the people in the country are going to get it but we're next to the epicenter so we've got to be real careful wow okay so this got real fast but before real quick i want i also want to introduce um uh, the man behind the scenes uh facebook activist dj uh audio master tola brennan is here running the boards tola are you there i am here hey what's up tola um i'm i'm doing good i i'm having a, a pretty average week my life is uh insignificantly changed wow well, because it means I stay at home a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's it, but, it's uh, introvert season here. People, introverts are are not really noticing much of a change, as far as I can tell. No. <laughs> yeah, it's been funny. I've seen my Facebook. Some people are making some jokes about it. It's like, yeah, have you been uh, working from home for the last four years? <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, which is not true. I I was laid off from my job, but uh, you know, it's not not the only thing that I do. Here I am. Well, thank you. Clicking button. Thank you for navigating us through this. Uh, we're using some new software here. And uh, yeah, we're all recording um, in our own little pods. It's crazy because I, I think both of you live within a mile of my house. Uh, but we're all all separated by a little social distancing barrier. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're in kind of an extraordinary circumstance here. This is something that it's never really happened in my life. Uh, something like this. The only thing that really I can compare it to is kind of 9-11, but it's kind of deeper and broader than 9-11 ever was in regards to its impact on the globe. Uh, I had explained to my kid the other day, you know, hey, this has never like happened before. And she was like, what, really? This has never happened? And I was like, yeah, no, like this has never been a thing in my life. 
So this is it definitely extraordinary in like the bad way. It's extraordinary. It's not not normal. Um, and yeah, we're recording in New York, kind of on the periphery of one of the major centers of this outbreak. And um, as far as we're hearing, this we have not hit the peak. We're not necessarily even close to it. And we're kind of just just for listeners' perspective as far as like where we are in relation to the epicenter. I was reading a list today of like the places, like the top 15 places in the world, you know, uh, uh, as far as like the cases per thousand and Wuhan, China's on top, then Lombardy region of Italy, then New York, then a place, Georgia, New Orleans, Seattle, um, Bridgeport, metro area, Connecticut, Mount Vernon, Pittsfield, Detroit, Kingston. So we're on the top 10 globally. Wow. Um, when they mean Kingston, because they're saying the population is 179,000, I think it's a it's a mistake. They're they're t- actually talking about the county of Ulster, but Ulster County is made is on the map as far as like you know. And, and it's interesting, Albany is four behind. Wow. So yeah, we're kind of like <laughs> in the periphery of of the epicenter here. Um, it's crazy. So yeah, we're taking extra precautions. Yeah, yeah, and so. This and and it's crazy because I keep realizing over and over again that this is one impact, but the impact that the social distancing is having is a whole different kind of impact, and a big part of that is the economic impact, right? We have a lot of people who are being laid off, a lot of workers who are losing their jobs, but then a lot of businesses that are just either you know getting by, you know, just on the verge of keeping it in the red. Um, and, you know, this is hurting them bad. You know, our area is a tourist destination, uh, for better or worse. And, you know, we're we're going to start losing a lot of money uh, this spring. You know, the university nearby has closed, you know, shuttered, basically. Everything's going to be online. And uh, the college students have gone home. That's a lot of money that we're losing from the local economy. And this is happening on a regional, national, and global scale. And that's huge. And... That brings us into kind of, okay, that COVID-19 is one thing, but what, what's coming next in the coming months and potentially years is a whole different thing. And we've got some numbers on that just in the last week. Uh, you know, 3 million people have registered for unemployment benefits in one week. And that is, that is, has never been seen before um, since, you know, potentially the Great Depression. We don't necessarily have good numbers. From... Yeah, the thing. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was jump in and say that. Yeah, I mean, they're talking about this economic collapse being worse than two thousand eight, and potentially worse than the Great Depression. But what makes it compounds it is that not only we're we dealing with a Great Depression level economic collapse, but the virus is still here, right? Yeah. So it's a double. It's a, it's it's a double whammy in that sense. Yeah, and this is not to say this is not to say that we are in any way focusing on economics over health because that's not the case. We just we happen to not really be health experts here, and we're not really going to be focusing on the health impacts or how to social distance. But we want to talk about what this means for the trajectory of this country, and what it means for working people, and what it means for all of us um, in in this country and in this world. And you know, hey. The, the stock market has tanked. I mean, it lost it lost almost 10,000 points 
uh, at its worst. And for me, I'm not personally invested in that. That's, that's not really directly connected to a lot of Main Street, but it is an indicator that there is something big happening and something big will happen. Um, Matt, how did you feel about, have you been watching the stock market? Do you, do you have any kind of emotional feeling about that at all? About the, about the economic collapse? Yeah. Yeah. How are you feeling about that? I was, I was just actually sending a text to my partner, Jay, who works in the hospital. I wanted to ask her if she would talk a little bit about our experience. Cause I think that'd be really interesting for the show. And I hate to, to pull it on you guys last minute, but, uh, Oh yeah. I would love to hear that. Maybe we can, you know, cause I mean, I could just say that she's running out of hospital masks. They're giving them one hus- one of the appropriate masks that they need to prevent themselves from not only staying healthy, but from spreading the virus, right? And they give them one of these, and they say that you only get one per shift. And these are just masks that are are made to keep you safe and prevent you from spreading the virus only after single use. Yeah. So they're being asked to essentially spread the virus, and that would be grounds for their dismissal in a normal environment. If you used a mask with a contagion that you met with a contagion patient with another patient, you would probably be fired. Wow. And so, so, so protocols that would call for somebody's firing have become the norm because the system is so underprepared to deal with this because of, of cuts in the name of austerity. Um, it really paved the way for a, t- a total implosion. Yeah, I guess that that's one of the main and stories here is that, I mean, we are in a circumstance in which the reason that the United States of America is close to the top in regards to the total number of cases is because, well, we've been making some bad decisions in recent decades. And our health system and our economy and there's a whole number of factors that are kind of aligning against us, including a president who maybe is not necessarily being completely honest is not being proactive and is maybe being deeply incompetent and ignorant. Um, but that's a whole different conversation. All of the above. <laughs> yeah. All <of> the above. <laughs> um, and just, just so everybody knows out there, I just need to give this preface. I laugh when things are bad. It's a coping mechanism. I'm not trying to be flippant. I just want to put that out there right now. I may laugh some during this podcast, but it's because things are dark and I'm trying to stay sane. I just want to make, make sure people know that. That's fair. I mean, we're all trying to do. I think everyone is all kind of going through some like you know trauma on some level of holy shit, what's going on? And my advice to people is to just give give each other some slack right now. You know, this is everyone's kind of dealing with this in our own way. And yeah, as much as possible, like give give friends a pass and and you know just try to try to take care of yourself. And so that kind of brings us up to okay, so. So what's going to happen? Uh, where are we going? Uh, there's some choices that are being made. Uh, one of the things that just happened, the, this, the Congress and the Senate have now voted on a stimulus package. They've got together a package. There was some wrangling, some fighting. Um, this stimulus package includes uh, a bunch of different kind of tools that are going to be used to address some of the economic fallout that's happening for individuals at an individual level and then potentially on a larger macro level. Um, uh, Democrats and Republicans were fighting over some of the details of it. Uh, one of the big things that I noticed and that I, I found kind of important was that Bernie Sanders himself uh, fought a very, uh, really, a, a, for me, it was beautiful to see him fight for gig workers. 
um, for people who are out there who were not who would not get unemployment benefits. He was going to hold up the entire stimulus package to make sure that those millions and millions of working people would be able to collect unemployment because gig workers don't get unemployment. But that's a huge number of people in this economy because that's the kind of economy we've built, which is problematic in its own way. Um, Matt, did you have you been t- keeping track of the stimulus package at all? What do you what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's totally consistent with with Bernie's record. Um fighting for the little guy um and it, yeah i think i think it's really as much as as the media has totally written him off as like like without mathematical basis i mean he only needs to win 63 percent of the remaining delegates uh which isn't i mean it, yeah it's a, it's a it's a a tough a tough not good betting odds per se but it's definitely not prohibitively over in any regard but he his ability to really take do what he does best which is work this amendment process and 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 move and shake and use his power to, to to whatever extent he can to sort of fight for the little guy and meanwhile joe biden's sort of like basically in hiding because the last few appearance the appearances that he's done have been such a disaster that, he, that he's, he's in hiding but anyways well, well, hold on. Top. yeah let's we'll, we'll get into that i think there's some there's a lot to explore there we'll get into that but actually uh, in, in our discussion about kind of what's happening, stimulus package and where we're going to go from here, because there's going to be some really big decisions made um, in regards to the response to this. Um, I, we Naomi Klein, who I, I respect immensely, um, has written about this since the shock doctrine and has been talking about this recently, but that this is the kind of disaster that people uh, out there, the powerful, wealthy elite, look at and see opportunities they see opportunities and hey you know some people would say that's what they do best you know hey that's how capitalism works you're going to find opportunities to make money um but some people would call this disaster capitalism and some people would say that the republicans were trying to work in to this package some elements of uh, some profiteering off of disaster but we actually have a guest with us tonight who is going to speak about this um who's going to talk about her experience um, her name is Mrs. Eleanor Witherington III. Uh, Eleanor has been here before. Eleanor, are you here with us? Oh, yes. Hi. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much. I'm so, so happy to join you this <laughs> evening. I just, I just arrived from Milan and um, where, oh, it's, 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 I've honestly, um, I've never made so much money. I've uh, <clears throat> so you see, I, I have a major. I'm a majority share owner in um, Gilead Sciences, and we are. They 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 um they have a, the coronavirus testing kits. Oh and, wow! Um, yeah, so you know, whew, you know, really, the problem is the opportunity. Ah, yeah. So okay, so viewing a global pandemic where potentially millions of lives are at risk here as an opportunity. So you were in Milan, you were, so you have a share in, in a company that's making testing kits. Yes. Yes. Oh yes. It's um, I'm just, it's, you can make a killing selling testing kits right now. Wow. My God. So, <laughs> so you have access to these testing kits. You're able to, have you been tested? Oh yeah, every day I get one. I get a test every day. Every day. Yeah, 
yeah, you know. Um, it's like you, you never know when when a little like contaminant might fly in through a window or something, even though I'm safely tucked away in my quarantine bunker. Oh but... wow, a a bunk a bunker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, where you have a bunker? Is that like it's a bomb shelter? What 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 kind of bunker is this? Actually, I could really use one of those those testing kits. Oh, uh, really? I a family member that's in the hospital, um, in and out of the hospital, and really we need to just make sure that she's tested. It's a matter of life and death. You could, could, would you would you sell me one? Is that I, something you can do? I, I happen to have one right here in my purse. Oh yeah. Well, how, wow. how much? Name name your price. Well, I pay oh, whatever. It's, well, it's well right now. It's it's going. They're going for two thousand, which is really. Quite a quite a deal. I'll give, yeah, I'll give you two thousand dollars. You want? Okay, okay. Wait, oh, well, for, oh. for the person in my family, it's a matter of life I'm and sorry. death. Sorry, I I just got a text from somebody else um, who's who's saying that they'll, they'll take that. They just said that they'll take it for five thousand. Oh, higher bidder. Uh oh. Huh. I can't afford five thousand. Mm. Oh, man. Um, so, Mr. Woodridge, I'm sorry. So, you, you're you able to get tested multiple times a day, every day? That seems like, I mean, aren't those tests in limited quantities? I mean, people, the state of New York needs those tests. I mean, that seems to be. Whoa. Were you, were you getting. I, you know, we're trying. To, well, you know, it's a good thing that this stimulus package just passed. So, you know, we can we can get more of these, make more of them. Oh, and, is your company you know, that, is your company getting some of that money? Is that is that actually? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we 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 need that to you know to to innovate in the private sector and and create create more more of these testing kits. Have them everywhere, and um, we want we want everyone to have a testing kit. But for two thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, so yeah, well, you know, we we have to make you know enough money. We have to keep innovation. Ah, uh, yeah, innovation you know, happening. Very yes, very very important. Yes. So we can't so, have limits on pricing, you know. Mm. So, so basically, John, I think one of the important takeaways from this is that the the, the law as it stands is that it, it it's changed. It used to be that there were protections for vaccines. And it used to be that we could say that if if a private company wants to develop and research a vaccine and they're going to use government funds, that they need to do to sell it then to the, the consumer, which is the taxpayer, the person who ultimately paid for this research, or the group of people that already paid for this research and development. That, that that they should be only charged a reasonable price for that drug. And a lot of lobbying pr- um, pressure from big special interest farm, big pharma in the, in the early 90s in the, in the, the Bill Clinton administration, they did away with those rules. And so now in the time of Corona, and you can't make this shit up, Company. Oh, I can tell you exactly. In 1994, I I called up my friend Bill Clinton and I said, "Bill, you know what? We just we just we 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 can't have 
this this reasonable pricing rule we can't have this this is it's 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 unreasonable we can't have limits on pricing mm. for pharmaceuticals right. it will it will it'll, it'll be such a buzzkill for for creation of of drugs that we that you know we all need more and more right. of them and that's what the lobbyists were saying but meanwhile they were basically the, the, the big pharma was taking taxpayer money hand over fist in this really profoundly corrupt system of a quid pro quo, um, you know, classic corruption. And, and it was what, what really I think is relevant right now is kind of how this went down because it's, it's really an interesting uh, microcosm for the race for the democratic nomination right now, because there are two figures, Biden and Bernie Sanders going head to head when this when this happened, mm. trying to Bernie was trying to reinstall these protections that Clinton had done away with for the consumers, for the taxpayer consumer protections for life saving medicine. So they couldn't be, you know, so monopoly powers couldn't be used for des- against desperate people. It's like a very, a very like human, like, like, of course, we, we, we want to protect this. But yet. And, and and it got it went down, and the the pharmaceutical companies didn't have enough votes with within the Republican. They had an, all the Republicans were on board, but they didn't have enough. They needed some Democrats, and so they went to some of the Democrats to see if they would turn coat and and actually side against the people for the pharmaceutical companies in a ruthless way. And who was leading that charge? But Joe effing Biden. Meanwhile, Bernie was the one introducing the legislation to. To, to give the consumer or not or, or not in the legislation, but he was the one um, fighting for the amendment to, to get this through. And so it's just a perfect microcosm for where we are in that race, because it's it's Bernie's fighting for the little guy and Biden's doing the opposite. And, and it's 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 a microcosm because it, it's it's in sync with their entire careers. And so I don't know. So, Miss Miss Witherington. Do you, you've mentioned before, you've been a guest on the show before, you've mentioned before that you, you, you're close with Joe Biden. You guys have a close yeah. relationship. Oh, we're great friends. We do, you know, we, we do virtual yoga classes together and. <laughs> Biden does yoga. That's surprising. He does. He's, he's, he's very he has slow. Been slow. Recently. I mean, Biden's been doing some really weird things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, he's been practicing yeah. his, you know, like chanting and stuff. Yeah. So, so, so you've known Biden. Did, were you were you talking to Biden at all during this move? To, to, I I for- did. I told him he had to if he you know if he needed if he wanted to get you know reelected he really needed to table that amendment because. It's just not going to fly with the pharmaceutical industry. It's going to they just kill innovation. Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> it will absolutely kill innovation. Mm. Yeah. Innovation. And, yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, as long as innovation's fine, people, no big deal. Innovation, yeah. Throw people out. I mean, and, and I think it's kind of, we're, you know, going to sort of the tipping point of this episode is I think this what we're witnessing right now where there's this like you know existential crisis with this with the climate with the virus and 
capitalism is saying you have to go to work. So the, the tool, capitalism is a tool of, of humans, has kind of gotten in some ways the upper hand to such a degree that it's saying that we should essentially euthanize ourselves for it. And I just, I think that that's, that's an interesting turn in, I guess what we're, you know, we're, we're solidly in late stage capitalism. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I, you know, for me, uh, you know, I hear the governor of Texas, um, you know, I think we probably have a clip of that here. Tucker, no one reached out to me and said, uh, as a senior citizen, uh, are you willing to take a chance on your survival in exchange for keeping the America that all America loves for your children and grandchildren? And if that's the exchange, I'm all in. Um, and that doesn't make me noble or brave or anything like that. I just think there are lots of grandparents out there in this country like me. I have six grandchildren that what we all care about and what we love more than anything are those children. And I want to you know, live smart and, uh, and, and see through this, but I don't want the whole country to be sacrificed. Uh, and, I, and that's what I see. I've talked to hundreds of people, Tucker, and just in the last week, and uh, making calls all the time. And, and everyone says pretty much the same thing, that we can't lose our whole country. We, we're having an economic collapse. I'm also a small businessman. I understand it. And I talk with business people all the time, Tucker. And, and I'm so, my, I'm just, my heart is lifted tonight by what I heard the president say, because we can do more than, you know, one thing at a time. We can do two things. So, you know, my message is that um, uh, let's get back to work. Let's get back to living. Let's be smart about it. Uh, and those of us who are 70 plus, we'll, we'll take care of ourselves, but don't sacrifice the country. Don't do that. Don't ruin so this you're, great So you're basically dream. saying that this disease could take your life, but that's not the scariest thing to you. There's something that would be worse than dying. Yeah. So what he's saying here, you know, is that we we got to go back to work. Uh, we got to get out there. Uh, you know, he'd be willing to sacrifice his own life um, or, you know, other uh, boomers would be willing to sacrifice their life to keep the economy going. Um, but obviously that's that's pretty dark. Pretty dark, and Trump, you know, is chiming in as well, saying, "Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna open up the country by Easter, you know, open it up. Um, I want to see people in church, you know." And yeah, the idea there is that you know, hey, maybe we got to make some sacrifices to keep the the market going to feed the the you know the the monster. But um, I mean, I, and I and I I when I hear those things, I do though have some concerns too, because I know that the economy grinding to a halt is bad for working people who have no savings, who are working paycheck to paycheck, and who are struggling to survive. And that's why Bernie fighting to make sure that we have unemployment benefits that are robust, that can not just give people enough money to survive, but to continue to thrive and you know live a decent life. That's important to me to fight for gig economy workers. Um, so I have, I have my concerns about the economy as well. I think my concerns are maybe a little bit different than Mrs. Witherington's. Um, uh, you know, my or concerns Mr. are... Arnold, you know, their, their first thing was like, the, let's bail out the 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 cruise industry. It's like, seriously? Like, <laughs> is that even like part of the discussion? Like, all these people lost their jobs and we're worrying about the 
cruise industry? Like, like I, Carnival Suite singularly has a bigger carbon footprint than Europe. Um, I saw that. That's really? Insane. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, this is, I mean, and this, this brings up the whole thing. I mean, and I guess this is the tipping point is where we are, what's needed, and what they're going to try to do to us, right? Because the disaster capitalism model is going to be looking at a lot of stuff. And one, one of the things they'll be looking at is uh, profiteering off uh, testing kits, uh, profiteering off vaccines, off drugs. Um, another thing that's going to come down the line is that the cuts are coming. The economy right now at a local level, at a state level, at a national level, they're losing huge amounts of tax revenue and the cuts are going to come and people are going to start arguing that we got to cut funding for education. We got to cut funding for local schools. We got to cut funding for county services. Those cuts are coming and they're going to make a very strong argument that, hey, man, there's a big budget hole. We have to fill that. And there's other things, too. You know, one of the things I'm concerned about in my work with young people is schools, right? This this semester right now, there's kids who are in eighth grade, senior year, whatever. They're finishing out potentially the rest of their entire school year remotely online. And there's going to be an argument that teachers aren't necessary, that we can school people on computers, that we can buy a thousand dollar you know, curriculum from Pearson and boom, kids can stay at home. They can go online. We don't have to pay people, you know, this money. We don't have to provide healthcare for workers. We don't even have to have a facility and we can do it all online. And that's, that's part of the argument. That's something that happened after Katrina with charter schools, they shut down schools, they consolidated them. So we're in an argument for what's going to happen next. And there's a solid argument out there that potentially what's needed is maybe something like a green new deal. Something like Medicare for all. Something. Well, that's. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just want to jump in there, right before you get too much beyond that that point, which is that you know these examples of them using the 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 inferno of the crisis to basically take metal while it's hot and bend it, and so like the only time change has really happened in history is is during a crisis. And so the powers that be have gotten very, and this is the shock, like Noam McLean's shock doctrine, is that of, of them being very adept at seeing a crisis as an opportunity to get changes through that they couldn't get through before. But I think what we need to do if we're going to win, and we need to we need to put our our path chart our path forward, however bad the odds, is that we need to imagine what turning the tables on on on, on them is. And right now, where capitalism and the markets as this almost religious ideology is utterly failing to deal with human need. And if, if we can have that be part of the discussion at this point where things are really, really malleable for a minute, but it's, you know, once, once it, once that metal cools off, whatever shape it was in is the shape it's going to stay. And so in this, in this like crises of crises is, as insane as it sounds, is the, is probably our best chance of getting some of the lasting change we need to deal with the bigger crisis of agree, you know, climate change and the need for a Green New Deal and global leadership on climate change. Yeah, it, we seem to be in a little bit of a battle. And Miss Witherington, it seems like maybe we're going to be fighting for a slightly different world coming out of this. 
Well, yes, I am also equally just giddy about the possibilities that can come out of this um, this moment in 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 history. It's just it's it's um, just positively exciting times. Yeah, for- I mean, wow, the skies for 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 the the the, the super rich one percent capitalist class to make a killing. A killing again. Very, very, very dark, dark pun there. Uh, maybe pun not intended. So uh, it, it's interesting because there does seem to be a candidate who I believe is running for president, who seems to be supporting a package of uh, of policies that would address a lot of the fundamental issues we're dealing with right now in the crisis, and that would address the crisis after um, the economic. Uh, impact has been felt. And that candidate, I believe, is Bernie Sanders, um, who is fighting for who's been fighting for things like sick leave, Medicare for all, affordable medicine, um, investment in in real jobs, uh, workers' rights. That candidate is currently running for president of the United States. Matt, uh, I, I believe you've talked about Bernie a few times. Anything to say about that? Well, I think what we're seeing right now is, I think, the most um, pervasive example of of mainstream media bias against Bernie Sanders. So he's got 63%, right, of the remaining delegates to win, which is basically, you know, we're like a little bit past halfway through. So it's basically through the season. So it's, it's like, we're like in the fifth inning in a baseball game and he's down, you know, seven to five, maybe eight to five. And what the entire establishment and even like, you know, online news, make like more mainstream online news sources that are, you know, not part of the main networks are, are universally echoing in, in unison that he should just drop out and that it's essentially over. But I've never seen any team in baseball get to the fifth inning and because they're down by three walk off the field. Like that just, no, who does that? Like nobody does that. That doesn't make any sense when, when you have a viable path, not to mention you have the home field advantage because the, the remaining States are the States that Bernie did far better in, in 2016 than the first half. And so if there ever were time for momentum and like, I think the bigger point here is that it's not about Bernie. It's about the things that we need to for our security, for 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 climate stabilization, for healthcare at you know to deal in, in these times of crisis. We need the things that he's been he's been advocating for all along. And he needs to be part of the discussion. Him being part of the discussion has tangible benefits as we've seen by him bailing out at least temporarily the gig economy. I mean, you know, I think he would, he would have done much more if he could, but he's that voice. And part of why he's part of that discussion is because he is wielding political power through votes by being affirmed by people saying we support him winning states like California and staying competitive. And he's just as competitive now as he was last time. And last time he lost, um, you know, he got like 45% of the vote, a little under 45% of the vote. So it's really interesting because I'm, you know, I'm looking at 538 and they do, you know, they're doing an average projected delegates and their projection is that Joe Biden wins by a thousand delegates. Although Bernie's only behind by about 300 delegates so far. So their projection is just Biden's going to crush it 99%. And 
you know, and, and it's interesting for me as somebody who I obviously, I believe that Bernie Sanders proposals are something, are, are things that could really solve a lot of major issues in this country. It, it does seem like the, that coronavirus has kind of stolen the zeitgeist and that uh, everybody's focused on that. And the campaign is kind of, uh, you know, is a secondary concern. But what you're where did, but what you're saying is that we need to the campaign is the cure. So like the the yeah maybe coronavirus has, st- has stolen the show, but the coronavirus is a map that ends at at Bernie Sanders' platform. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you know, I mean, yeah, I know people are going to push back, and and but 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 in this time, you know, we we've, we've known that, that that this you know based on like you know country ranking rankings on you know the, the the world health organization indicators we know that democratic socialist policies are better for health we've always known that to be true now it just happened it just so happens that the evidence that it's true is not what we're telling you from the book we read but your mom dying or somebody you know dying your you know a family member or somebody somebody close to you and so the the lack of um, substantial evidence to back up that free market capitalism capitalism run wild is the best way to, to provide health care to people, I think is going to operate to to some degree. It's not going to go away, but it's it's going to. I think our our we structurally our position is stronger, and I mean, in that kind of going speaking of structural things, the 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 way that the the primary got delayed. I mean, I, w- I was of the opinion that this thing was over when before coronavirus hit, because part of, you know, I mean, you'll see the various, you know, the polls are showing now like 99 percent chance that or, or you know, the poll, not the polls themselves, but the, the like the 538s out there and New York Times are saying, it, you know, it's over. But that's looking at public opinion as it is now and in the past. What we know is that public opinion can change very quickly. It can change on a dime based on circumstances. And only thing that's certain about coronavirus is uncertainty or at this point. And so uncertainty has a way of just taking the whole thing and throwing it out the window and, and kind of starting all over. And I think, you know, to say that public opinion won't change, which is the basic assertion that they're making in these forecast models is it's crazy. And, and like there, even like the 538 guy was like, uh, he was like, yeah, only if like, you know, basically Biden's got this thing in the bag unless there was some major like event that happened. And I was like, all right, now he's going to drop the line that like, there actually is a major event. They, it was like deadpan serious, like pretending like there wasn't like a major event that's that, that throws everything out the window. And by, and Biden is, you know, I don't know if we want to go into some of what's going on well, with him. Yeah, let's talk about that, that real quick. I mean, he's still in this race. Yeah, so let's talk about that real quick. I mean, I I just before I we started recording, I was just watching uh, Bernie Sanders do a live stream on Facebook, and he was addressing the issues. He was talking to nurses, talking to doctors, having a very extensive conversation about a lot of the ins and outs of you know our hospital system is going to be overwhelmed. Where do we need help? Who needs help? Uh, are are the nurses being treated properly? Do they have protective equipment? It was really impressive to have that level of a dialogue and for him to listen to people who are having those problems. But also this week, I've been listening to some of Biden, who have, people have been saying, you know, Joe Biden, Joe Hyden, he's Hyden, like he's, he has not been out there. But I've seen a couple <laughs> clips of him 
attempting to address some of these issues. He did a live stream today. And the it, first one, a week ago, he did you see that one? I mean, after he did that, that's when he went into hiding because he was doing a live stream, didn't realize he was on a live stream, and walked off the screen. And it, well, here's all these like journalists and all these people watching him, and he's totally just incoherently walks off. And after that, they're like, hi, like, like you know biden time just hiding hiding joe biden and um until until they they released this other thing like a week later because there was started to be like trending on twitter like where's joe did joe die is joe being held hostage what's going on with joe after this one incident where he totally screwed up and then and then this comes out this other video and should we roll the clip oh yeah yeah let's let's look at this is the intercept the Intercept did uh, a, an edit of some of his performance of late, and it is it is shocking. So let's let's listen to that. This was his like you know I just screwed up a social my first attempt at social media. This is my like comeback. And and to be fair, um, you know the the music is the Intercept, so that's you know their sort of comic take on it. But I think you'll see the point of of why one might be concerned that Biden isn't maybe the best person to be Trump, and also that maybe he doesn't have the thing in the bag. Good morning. Let me say something right up front. I've laid out a very detailed, in-depth plan for what I think we should be doing. You know, we need to get in motion. We need to move. We need to move fast. Now. Everyone. Now. All at once. Now. You can only move too slowly. So we need to get moving. Move faster. Now you can read it on JoeBiden.com. And uh, and in addition to that, uh, in addition to that, we have to uh, make sure that we uh, we are in a position that we are. Well, let me let me go to the second thing. I've spoken enough of it. Look, here's the deal. uh, This is simply confusing times. This is the United States of America. Thank you. Please help. He's just channeling this, you know, spiritual guidance. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. You think he's channeling yeah. spiritual guidance? He seems confused. I, I couldn't tell at the, the end when he was like, whether he was reassuring me that this was confusing times or he himself was confused and but then when he said help it was like oh you yourself are confused and it made it just cleared that right up oh my god oh my god oh Oh god God. oh god it's so bad i it's so bad what i i i do have i do know where he's coming from if 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 you don't mind i can't i can't explain met my my friend joe and i have been we've been meditating in our in the wine caves and um and he's we've been talking a lot about you know the power of now and he's <laughs> trying to convey you know how the the through through the words now the um <laughs> miss i'm sorry i'm sorry eleanor it it sounds like you're trying to cover for him it seems like that I, I, it seems like Joe Biden is having some 
decline in his mental faculties. You're trying to say that this is a meditation thing? He's having a spiritual breakthrough. Oh, a spiritual breakthrough. Really? You got to imagine that. Declining and breakthrough, they look, you know, equally disastrous. Right. One one man's uh, deterioration is another man's breakthrough, maybe? Is that what's Precisely. Precisely. I don't know. I I, it, I feel like I'm watching somebody sleepwalk or just like a zombie shuffle through the motions. I mean, he. I, I don't feel like he has the ability to communicate ideas clearly or address any of the things that are happening. And this isn't even going into the fact that on policy itself, he's bad. Like, he... he even have policies. It's all like he's using the the hope and change model of campaigning that Obama so so well mastered of not saying anything at all and saying hope and change and yeah, it's it's very it's concerning. But you have to imagine that his handlers would have let him know that like hey like listen like we kind of messed up the last live stream. It's really important right now when it's really sweet. Like this remainder of the campaign is going to be a test of which campaign can better harness the power of social media. And and so they, you'd think that his handlers would have really like made sure he knew that he needed to kind of be on topic. And the fact that he must have been told that and still just said something like, like he was maybe on psychedelics or I'm not quite sure. And Wait, so, what? He's on psychedelics? He, Eleanor, <laughs> is this this is part of the treatment? Is that what's happening here? Are you guys listening? To really, our, really, our, really. Is the 1% finally found psychedelics? Maybe that's what, what saved yeah. I don't know. but I, I mean, we, we do have access to interesting, you know, pharmaceuticals. Oh, my God. Oh, right, right, of course. <laughs> Of course, yeah, you got access to all the good stuff. Well, I, 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 I don't know. I am so concerned. But I, and Matt, and I think that you and I, we've we've debated this a little bit. I'm, uh, I okay. So Bernie, Bernie is his policies are for this moment. He is actually the candidate of this moment, especially in the face of 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 COVID and COVID capitalism. But I, I have my pessimism. I have my concerns, and I'm concerned that the DNC is going to just fuck this up, that they're going to call off the debates. That like, why would that even cross your mind? Like the DNC fuck things up? No. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just, I think I'm balancing your hope on one side and my fear of a complete and total shit show on the other. Cause it seems like the democratic party, including a lot of democratic voters are sleepwalking into nominating a fucking disaster zombie candidate who will lose. Then yeah. that's terrible. I think I think right now Biden is and that's the scary thing about the you know, it's like we can laugh about Biden's disaster podcast and feel a little bit hopeful that maybe Bernie Sanders can beat him. But the truth is is that he is the front runner right now and in, in, in a solid way and without a major shift in public opinion. Um we're we're gonna see him be the nominee. And that's why I think it's you know, even if Bernie doesn't have a winning odds right now, it's not that far. Like, if you, you add up all these things, you know, Biden sort of being irrelevant, not really being able to make it into the, into the mainstream media in, in any way that isn't a disaster, um, 
Bernie kind of taking the stage, fighting for working people, add all these things up. The fact that, that the rest of this, this campaign is going to be waged in social media. We have all this, we have all these extra like 10 more weeks for things to change. We don't have to have this cataclysmic event. Uh, anymore. It can just be this slow decay of Biden and this gradual, you know, there's time for public opinion to change. And I think the greater point here is that even if Bernie doesn't win, a victory for Bernie is is a victory for a Green New Deal and um, Medicare for all and a sane response to this, this health care crisis that we're facing with COVID-19. And so if at the epicenter, which is still yet to, 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 to vote, New York City votes in New York, New York State as a whole, Bernie wins New York State, regardless of whether Bernie becomes the nominee. That's a victory for his ideas. And that will send a message loud and clear to the Biden and the monies that be that are backing him up that that there's a force out here that they're going to have to compromise with. And so I think people are kind of losing the message of when's Bernie going to drop out? Is he going to drop out? Or, you know, it's no, it's not, it's never been about Bernie. It's been about the things that we're fighting for that are the answers to the that are the keys to the, to, to these crises that we're dealing with. The people need to be heard at the, like how fortunate it is that we're able to vote during this crisis and weigh in. I mean, that's, that could save our life. And I think to, to throw that away is would be foolish, would be really foolish. Wow. So we have some stark choices in front of us. We have we have well, the choices of Trump, Biden and Bernie um, is one set of choices. Um, another set of choices is, you know, what are we fighting for in the short term? And so you're saying even even if Bernie continues to do well and continues to get out there, that his ideas may win the day and his ideas may be the ideas that we rebuild this country with. Right. right. I mean, that's part of the, part of the goal here. I mean, I, the way I look at it is imagine that in the remaining primaries, Bernie gets his ass kicked and where we, where we are, then people are going to say, well, green new deal, not that popular, you know, Medicare for all, oh, not, wasn't that important. People who didn't really care about it. Now imagine a world where, you know, let's say we didn't win the nomination, but we won, you know, a majority of the states and a majority of the vote in the remaining states and go into that convention with um, momentum and public opinion shifting resoundingly. You know, people are going to have to get over that, that Bernie can't beat Trump mythology that is is scarcely based in fact and 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 see. And, and uh, I think it's possible. I would I bet on it? Uh, no, but I would certainly work my ass off. If it wasn't possible, I would do something else with my time. And I, I, I think it is a worthwhile thing. It's beyond worthwhile right now to, to, to make sure that, I mean, here's the thing is like, if we continue to do the work, like Bernie needs a perfect storm and so much of success is what we believe and what we decide we think is possible. And if we decide that he's not electable and that he can't beat Biden, then that actually makes it more likely because it's going to affect our decisions. And if what he needs is a perfect storm, we, the activists, the people who are movers and shakers, the people who care, need to, you know, balance your, you know, taking care of yourself during this crisis, but also try to keep helping Bernie to to slowly build back. And I think, I think, I think, I think that's the safest way forward in, in, in any way to look at it. I don't know. So the Bernie movement is not over. It's not dead. And any wins that Bernie can get 
in coming weeks, coming months. I mean, hey, we don't even know how people are voting or when they're voting necessarily. You know, there might be some postponements and primaries. But anytime he gets electoral votes, I'm sorry, not electoral votes, anytime he gets delegates, right? Anytime he wins a state, that puts him back in the news, that puts his ideas back there on the front page, and it gives him some bandwidth to be able to say, hey, guess what? Medicare for all would have stopped this, you know, pandemic before it would have gotten so bad, right? That And we need this now. I mean, they're already talking about Medicare for all for everyone who gets Corona. So in, in some places, so, you know, if, if, if he can, yeah, if he, if, if he can be a, if he can be a victor, it's a victor for, for those ideas. And, and yeah, he, it, we, I think he loses, we lose a seat at the table of power in the halls of power at a critical time. If, if, if we let him, you know, let him fail and yeah. And we don't really have much, much choice because Biden's climate plan is insufficient. Biden doesn't seem prepared to deal with the crisis and. Well, know. and there's also something else, which I, I, I am hesitant to mention, but you know, there are allegations being made against Joe Biden currently that seem to be capturing some headlines. And it seems that Joe Biden, like a lot of men in power, maybe have abused that power. And I think that that conversation really hasn't been had yet. And that may shift things. That may be something that shifts things. If we really actually look at Joe Biden, his behavior, his treatment of women, his attitude towards minorities, if that conversation's actually had, if that vetting's actually had, then maybe a lot of Democrats will realize that he is not an option. Not just because he's in cognitive decline, as it seems, or not just because he has been a moderate or even a Republican, <laughs> uh, you know, conservative on a lot of issues, but because maybe... He is just not at all acceptable as a candidate because of his behavior. So that's another thing that, you know, we can talk about. Wait, uh, uh, Eleonora, are you still there? Oh, yes, I'm here. Are you, recli are you reclining like on a duvet? I, or... I, yes, I was just checking my uh, stocks in. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Testing oh. kits. Yeah. Coronavirus. It's just like it spiked in the past few minutes. Oh, wow. All right. Well, Eleanor, how do you feel about the potential of a Bernie Sanders candidacy or presidency? How does that feel to well, you? That man has always been a thorn in my side. Um, oh. I've, I've worked very hard to lobby against him, and it's paid off. Yeah, it's like he's, he's, a, he's a real buzzkill, man. Come on. <laughs> I've never heard him described as a buzzkill, but like a buzzkill to like profits, huh? Is that what you mean? Oh, yeah, exactly. Precisely. I mean, you know, he's not really into profit making. It's not a he's thing. just into silly things like saving people's lives, silly things like that. It's very silly. He doesn't realize that you can really make, you can make so much money saving people's lives. <laughs> or saving certain people's lives at certain times. Huh? I mean, people will pay literally anything to, you know, for life-saving medicine. Oh, Eleonora, somehow, somehow you make it seem also charming in the process. You know, even though it's, I, I completely disagree with everything you're saying. Um, it's it's so sick that in this time of crisis that. That you know, Gilead, etc., are have 
they already lobbied so they can engage in monopolistic practices with a vaccine and use people's desperation to make money. Like that, it's hard to imagine a lower low than that. And, uh, you know, Miss mm-hmm. Witherington, with all due respect, I, I just, I don't know how you go to sleep at night and you're 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 a, a harder a harder harder soul than I. It's just I can't quite I can't quite wrap my brain around that. And it's that, that somebody would try to to profit like that. And but that's where we are. And that's I think yeah, this is it. This is this is capitalism eating itself. Literally, we're, 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 it's not eating itself. It's e- the tool has become so powerful that it's encouraging us to euthanize ourselves for its gain. And that's, I think, should be a red flag for a lot of people. I would hope so, but I'm concerned about how. I mean, in defense of you know Trump's, you know, how much do we need to to, to freak out right now about Trump's poll numbers being okay, um, and, and actually going up nominally? Uh, and I think if you look at across the board, how much the leaders have gained in popularity across like Europe and elsewhere, they've all gone up. A lot, and so the fact that that Trump is is basically kind of holding steady, going up an insignificant amount, shows that maybe he's not getting the bump that everyone else is. So I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm looking looking for the optimistic, <laughs> but uh, I do tend to do that. So yeah, no, for me it's uh, for me it's feel good about that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. For me, it's pretty dark, man. I mean, it's like uh it's hard. It's really hard. I, I see such great opportunity to to build it to build a different world and to address some of these issues you know hey cruise liners you know f- f- chock full of buffets and burning huge amounts of freaking fossil fuels and dumping their waste into the caribbean you know I, I don't have a huge problem with those going away and yeah should we all be flying nonstop all the time at affordable prices no i don't know you know is it is it nice that the streets are kind of empty the traffic's kind of dying down that the skies over wuhan are clean for the first time in a long time. I don't know if that's a bad thing. So uh, it, it's hard because I don't necessarily want to wish that the existing order falls apart too fast, but I really hope that we can build something new in the process of this one falling apart. So, Hey, revolution, right? Yeah. So it's going to happen. Well, man, <laughs> We've got to seize the moment. It's, it's like hard to even focus and like, you know, go on with your life when there's so much crazy stuff going on. But, um, now is when you know is one of those rare moments in in human history where change is possible, and so we've got to soldier through and, and and figure out how to how to how to get that change into law. We're living through history. We're living through it. So I, I hey I want to say hey thank you Matt for being here. Um, we've had some technical difficulties here with the podcast, um, but we've made it through. Um, we're still connecting even though we're separate. Um, any last thoughts, Matt? Well, uh, just I just want to say, you know, thanks, John, for you know these are trying times, and we're all kind of freaking out. But I, I appreciate you finding time and, and talking and making this possible. And uh, it it really your voice really holds us together. So so thank you so much uh, for for being a part of it, Miss um, Witherington. Um, I should say Jessica Berry, who plays Miss Witherington. Thank you so much for the same and your commitment to a better world. Thank you. Wait, what? Jessica Berry? <laughs> Jessica Berry's here? Hello, Jessica. Are you there? Yeah, hi. <laughs> are you in the are you in the bunker with Miss Wiz- Miss Witherington? 
Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> We're uh, hanging out. Using our, our I'm, I'm her yoga teacher. Oh, right. Great. Wow. Yeah, I heard of the, you guys do that hologram, the holo yoga, right? That's pretty yeah. fancy. Holographic <laughs> um, projections. Yeah. Wow. Is it posh in there? It sounds like those bunkers, those uh, wealthy elite bunkers are pretty nice. They, there's lots of, yeah. Um, there's lots of wine, <laughs> lots of cat food. Um, a lot of yeah. toilet paper. Is that where all the toilet paper? A lot went? of oh, so much toilet paper and hand sanitizer. Like wow, <laughs> we are we are loaded. In I heard you guys have have a hand hand sanitizer pool in in the wine. Yes, <laughs> like you just you just dive in and you're head to toe sanitized. Wow. I also heard right. that Miss Witherington sleeps on a bed made of face masks. Is that true? No, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, Jessica, thank you for being here. Um, thank you so much. Tola, are you still there? Tola? Sound guy Tola? Uh, I'm still present. Sound person Tola? Thank you. Tola, I am, I'm, I'm here. Thank you so much for navigating us through this. Thank you. For yeah. being the, the youthful... Welcome tech guy who can help us figure out what we're doing um this is pretty fancy if it was up to the three of us without tola we would be largely up shit's creek without a paddle um and all this so like (laughs) tola is really the difference between this happening at all so special hat off thanks tola it's a great time to be a computer guy yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah yeah, no, hey, there's gonna be more than a computer guy. Eleanor is right. You got there's so much opportunity in these moments. All right, so I, love you guys. I love you guys. I love you guys. Look for the opportunity in the madness. Mm. That we can agree on. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right, who's stopping this thing? Okay. Um, A podcast cool. that never ends.